another episode of Conversation with a Chef. I'm Joe Ritty and I love sharing with you the conversations I get to have with talented and passionate chefs. It's the backstory, if you will, to the food they're putting up. I begin today by acknowledging the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation, as well as the Ghana people, traditional custodians of both lands where these, this conversation takes place. Land which was never ceded, land where communities came together to eat seasonally, locally and without exhausting resources. I pay my respects to their elders past, present and emerging. Today I'm chatting to Scott Huggins from McGill Estate in Adelaide. Scott is mates with two of my favourite chefs, Scott Pickett and Dan Hunter. Scott told me that he's always loved eating and cooking and once he'd decided to pursue cooking as a career and was accepted as an apprentice, he felt super excited and as though everything was going the way it should go. He's never looked back. Scott has worked in different parts of Australia and the world and he's been at McGill Estate since 2014. This year he took on the role of director as well as chef of the Adelaide winery that is home to Penfolds Wines, Australia's leading producer of wine since 1844. I have to admit that I have yet to visit Adelaide and when I was asked to speak to Scott I did google flights to South Australia just to see if it was possible. I do prefer chatting in person but that wasn't possible for now and I spoke to Scott on the phone. He actually had to pull over and chat to me in his car from the side of the road but the way he spoke about McGill Estate and the orchards and vegetable gardens they're establishing in Piccadilly, a 20 minute drive away in the Adelaide Hills, I really wanted to be there. It's definitely on my list, but in the meantime, chatting to Scott was a pretty good substitute. Hi Scott. Sorry, it's been one of those days. How are you? I'm good, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> All good. How's it looking in Adelaide today? Uh, it's blue skies and it's, it's actually quite hot. Wow, that's uh, not like that in Melbourne. <laughs> yeah, it's been um, it's been really wet and cold, and it's actually been wet at the fire lit in November to be honest, and now it's um, it's hot as today. Oh, well, maybe that's coming for us. That's good. I'll be optimistic yeah. about that. Yeah. <laughs> I but, feel like I feel like we get it a few days before you. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm happy for you. <laughs> um, <laughs> I've just been reading a bit about you, and it sounds like you've got um, you've had a lot of great experiences, and also congratulations now that you are the director as well as chef at McGill Estate. That's amazing. Thank you. That's no, great. Yeah. So, um, well, let's start back at the beginning with you. Um, did you always want to be a chef? Uh, yeah, as far as I can remember, I um, I've always loved food. Yeah, yeah, I've always been passionate about eating food from a young age. I guess um, yeah. to the point that Dad was quite hands on. We lived on a bit of a property, and you know, two boys in the house. It was sort of not forced upon us, but we we're you know expected to go outside and help work on the cars or or um, you know pull our weight in that sort of that sort of aspect. I you know probably gravitated some more with mum baking and, and cooking with her inside which um <laughs> which probably yeah that's where it sort of comes from I guess 
And um, was that in South Australia as well? No, Victoria. So I grew oh. up in uh, the Patch. Oh. So in between Mombok and Belgrave. It um, is so beautiful there. We were looking at houses there um, for a while. <laughs> it's gorgeous. <laughs> yeah, it's beautiful. So uh, this is going way back, you know, sort of 40 years more. Um, we, we, our property or mum and dad's property sort of backs onto the Mombok Jam Factory. Wow. So it's obviously owned by SCC now, but like there's a jam factory across the way and you can smell the, the jam cooking, you know, during the day and all the sugars and that stuff. It was pretty, pretty amazing. Yeah, that is amazing. Um, what an idyllic place to grow, grow up, I reckon. Yeah, it was awesome. <laughs> and so um, what sort of things would you bake and cook with your mum? Uh, well, mum, that's the thing. We were pretty lucky, but mum, mum, mum was pretty good in the sense that, you know, grandma was always made amazing sponge cakes and, 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 and biscuits and, you know, yo-yos and stuff like that as, as a kid, I suppose, with the opportunity to do that. Um, you know, mum reckons I was making my own pancakes when I was the age of five. They're not very good. <laughs> but, you know, I, I think I was always pretty hands-on with that. Um, mum would do, you know, a lot of roast meals, I guess. Like, we look at it now as roast has been sort of a, a special occasion thing. Um, for us, it is, I guess, a little bit. But growing up, it's probably, you know, we'd have three or four roasts a week. It'd be roast chicken one night, roast lamb the next roast beef and other so it's sort of quite, yeah, quite common it's quite it's sort of an easy way to feed a family or I think it used to be anyway yeah well it is and that's the thing I thought about oh, this luxury but then think about it, put, a, put a, a joint of meat on and, and set it off in, in the afternoon with some roast potatoes and stuff and roast vegetables it's actually a, a pretty um, economic way to feed the family yeah that's right and Although so then probably now, but... yeah that's right well it does seem to be um, <laughs> so how did you make that step then to thinking it might be a career for you um, as I said, I always loved it. I, I think, um, you know, as I said, this is, this is just a, a side story, but I, as a, at my 21st birthday, it's quite funny, they were reading out, you know, everyone had a bit of a speech and whatnot, but they pulled out a letter that I'd written to a, a girl that used to mind us um, when mum and dad would go out, but like I suppose babysitter in some aspects. Um, and they pulled out this letter that I wrote to her when I was seven years old, and I, I wrote this letter to her saying, how much I loved her <laughs> and um, when I'm older I'm going to be a chef and I'm going to cook for her every night and they read that letter out so it's sort of like I didn't even realise that I wanted to be a chef back then but it was quite quite funny. Wow. Uh, but then moving into high school um, I was, you know, probably had attention deficit attention problems with school, um, didn't like it, wasn't great, still not great at reading and writing, um, it's always been hard for me. Mm. Um, and then at the school I was at, they sort of pulled me aside and they gave me a lot of extra time and extra, extra attention. But it got to the point where they sort of said maybe um, there might be a good opportunity for me to just spend a day out of school per week um, to do a trade. Mm. Um, and I sort of jumped on that opportunity. Um, so we, I started doing a day a week in the kitchen. Mm. Um, we went to, we looked at like Stephanie Alexander's restaurant and. Mm. A restaurant up in the hills back then called Kenlock, um, owned by a family or friend of mine in high school. Um, and so, yeah, on a Wednesday, instead of going to school, I would go there and help work, um, help prep and stuff like that, and then absolutely loved it. Um, first time in my life that I, you know, going out of school and couldn't focus on anything, I had found something I loved and, and focused in on. Mm. Um, an incredible amount of, you know, I, I, it, it sort of engulfed me. Mm. In many ways. Um, and then, yeah, I think it was New Year's Eve when I was 15. Um, 
the, the chef Mark, who's a friend, good friend of mine now, Mark Dakin. I'm offered me an apprenticeship. Um, and yeah, for like to leave school and start cooking full time, and you know, I remember just being so so very excited getting mm. home at sort of on Christmas, Christmas on New Year's Eve, sorry, New Year's Eve, at sort of one o'clock or two o'clock in the morning, and, and calling mum because they're out somewhere and, and letting her know, and like the shows over the moon, and they they were you know so bloody supportive of me doing that move, and um, you know that's something I respect my parents a great deal for. Mm. Supporting me, supporting me doing that, you know, and actually encouraging me to do it because I knew I wasn't wasn't like enjoying school and wasn't particularly good at school. But you know how much I loved what I did, and you know it, it paid off in the end. Amazing. And what do you think it it is or even was about about that whole cooking? I suppose there's a few aspects because you know there's the creating of things and the making people happy, and then there's also the buzz perhaps of service. What do you think it was for you? Um. No, just, I just love eating food. I always <laughs> loved food. Yeah. Um, and obviously for me, um, working back then, you know, working in a, in a structured environment um, yeah. and disciplined environment because hmm. I was a bit of a rat bag. Hmm. Um, then obviously the, the challenge of a service was hugely gratifying. Um, and then, then, then they, yeah, the, the creative thing probably came later. Hmm. Um, obviously, I... I was probably only, the only really, I've only really had to really push my creative side of the cookie in the last sort of 10 years when I started at the Gill. Yeah. Now, other than that, I've always been the head chef for someone else or, or the sous chef for someone else. Mm. Um, so that's probably the final, that was probably the final little bit for me and obviously the financials the next bit. But yeah, I don't know, I think, I think that just the buzz of the whole, you know, no way rock star motion, but just the, the, the team mentality and the, Everyone worked really hard, and I, I sort of like that grind, I guess. Yeah. And I see, too, that you you went overseas, so Spain and Japan. Um, yeah, left, 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 um, left home when I was – left school when I was 15, left home when I was 18. Worked up at Ayers Rock Resort oh, yeah. <laughs> for a year, um, which was fun. I, I never worked in a hotel. I never have worked in a hotel like that, but it was good sort of to – see that I guess at a five star hotel mm. um, and the resort lifestyle was pretty fun at the at that age I guess um, and then from there moved to New York in Spain uh, and worked on a private yacht for the Crown Prince of Dubai for what? <laughs> 12 months that's yeah. cool um, and then from there moved and lived and then we lived in Ibiza on the same boat for, for about 8 months how did that uh, how did that come about how do you get to do that uh, well, I was in New York, a friend of mine was in Ibiza at the time. I went to visit her, um, Fiona, and she was a friend, actually a friend from Airstrock. Um, and they were short, short run chef that day or that, that week. Um, I forget now, but got their job to come on and help, help for a couple of weeks. Um, stayed on for a couple of months and then the chef left and they asked me to stay on as the chef. Um, you know, for for another eight months after that, six months after that. But they were they always out on the boat, or were there? Was it just a no, case? No, it's almost like a floating hotel. They come and go. Yeah, right. Yeah, so when they weren't there, we could stay on the boat. When they were there, we'd stay in accommodation off the boat. Um, but yeah, pretty 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 amazing opportunity. <laughs> yeah, and um, and I guess too a bit of a well, maybe yeah, culture shock and finding out about different food and so on as well. Yeah, what's the same thing? I never, never even knew what caviar was. I remember sitting in the crew mess 
eating a tin of caviar that's why we were 500 euros back then, um, not realising there wasn't like lungfish for us. And get my ass get my ass kicked pretty hard. And yeah, not not having that understanding. But yeah, yeah, you learn pretty quick. Yeah. Wow. And um. Yeah, I just uh, my um my uncle was a skipper on a yacht and um for a family that seemed to go out from Antibes in France and off um, Mallorca as well, and yep. he would say they would just point to a, to somewhere on the map and say take me there and it like there would be nothing there but it was just all about the partying and so on. So oh yeah, it was like that. There was some pretty amazing. I wasn't too bad. I was in Ibiza and it was it was pretty fun. But like you heard some really amazing stories. Some of the chefs that had the opportunities to go. You know, around the world, you know, sailboats and stuff. We had some of the chefs I knew that would, you know, with a family, and they might be, you know, pretty small crew in the family, and they travel pretty much around the whole world for two years, and, and, and the destination they went to within two years, um, and the amount of money they made. But then, realistically, they get looked after by the family, and obviously become part of the family in some aspects. They don't really need to spend money. The family will take them out for lunch and dinner and stuff when they port. Um, so you've just you've just you've just seen the world for two years flat out around everywhere and then and you end up with a heap of money in your pocket. It's pretty, it's pretty awesome. That's a great experience, yeah. Wow. <laughs> um, and so, and then how did you get to Japan? What was, what was, what drew uh, you there? So, so from, from, uh, from Spain to Mallorca, we went across to Andorra, so between France and Spain and the Pyrenees. Mm. I was there for a little bit, came back to Australia for a little bit, went back there for a little bit, came back to Spain for a little bit and then, Worked for T. Gazard um, at Gazard in Melbourne um, for maybe three years, two years, mm. uh, as his sous chef. And then from there, moved across to Singapore, uh, worked in a restaurant called Ickies, um, which was, you know, at one stage was the world's top 50 restaurants, so number 26 in the world. Wow. Um, joint head chef there for maybe two years, I think it was. Um, left Ickies and went across to Tipping Club. Uh, Pickling Club, sorry, with Ryan Clift, mm. who used to be the head chef at Voudemont, um in the old days. So I was his head chef at Tipping Club for a year, I think it was in the end. Um, left his restaurant, came back to Australia, worked with Dan Hunter mm. for for a short time, or maybe a year, maybe a bit over a year in the Royal Mail, um, and then left. Dan moved over to Japan and worked at Ryugan um, for, for some time and then came back to Adelaide and ended up at, at, at um, legal estate. And it sounds as though uh, from the bio that you, that you weave a lot of those Japanese philosophies and methods into your dishes. What are those things? Uh, I think it's, it's Japan has got an amazing ability to Seek out amazing produce uh, and respect amazing produce and try to um, highlight amazing produce without complicating things. And I think um, working in some of those three-star restaurants over in Japan or, or, and, and working with Ignatius in Singapore, I think probably grew up, grew me up in the sense of not overcomplicating my food, uh, keeping it quite simple on the plate and like quite complex in, in what we do in, in the way we do it, but um, not overdoing it with... I think the, the the difficulty part or difficult part when you first start cooking um, your own food is to try to you know I think I would have done it too but do too much on a plate um, 
try to show off all the stuff you've learnt in all the years, you know, and you try to cram it in, mm. all your techniques, um, and you're almost cooking for chefs, you're not cooking for people. Um, you know, you're trying to impress all the chefs in Australia, you're not impressing that. Yeah, it's just it's just a, a, almost a, I don't know, a good way to describe it. I think being in Japan sort of probably got rid of a lot of that mm. and realising, you, you know, you can keep it a lot more simplistic and, and, it, and it's a lot better. Yeah. Although you did then come back and win... Uh, best new talent. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <coughs> that's the pressure. Yeah, that's right. Um, is there still pressure when you've, you're in, in such a great place that, you know, is renowned for its wines and um, and has, you know, been noted, you as a chef have been noted as amongst Australia's finest chefs and the, um, and the restaurant at the winery has been. Does that, do you have to, is there pressure to keep that up? Uh, there's pressure to keep it up. Uh, uh, certainly, I think. Well, I think well, years ago, there's more pressure in the sense of um, fear of fear of being judged more. So now, I think you're more content with who you are. Yeah. Uh, you know, I think when they when the gourmet traveller sort of had the world's top top top, oh, sorry, it's Australia's top hundred restaurants, and you're ranked from one to hundred, and you you had a number. There always is pressure on that that system, I guess. Um, yeah. And you know that the food guide having hats, and there's always pressure on that system, I guess. And I think we're in Adelaide, we haven't, we sort of don't, we're not in that, but we haven't got the age group food guide hasn't come back yet since COVID. Yeah. But it sort of takes a bit of pressure off, and I think all much other haven't really given a one to hundred number, mm. you know, or whatever. Mm. Um, and I think oh, I don't know. There's always pressure. There's always pressure to to deliver, and there's always. You know, that's what we do and that's what we want to do and always evolve. Yeah. Um, probably more at mind evolving and, and, and I've got, you know, some really amazing people around me now that, that make it a lot easier, I guess. Mm. You know. And it sounds like a beautiful place. I mean, obviously, you've now invested in it, so you must think it's a beautiful place and a great place to be. Um, oh, that's Yeah. And so is, am I right in saying that you grow um, produce there as well? Uh, yeah, no, yes and no. We've got some, some small gardens out the back of the restaurant. Oh, okay. Um, we've got bits and bobs. Um, I've got, yeah, this, this is probably part of the, the bigger picture now with, with taking over, but obviously it's my business now. Um, we've got 10 acres up in Piccadilly, you know, so some of the most beautiful or I think the beautiful, most beautiful pockets of land in Adelaide, just below the Mount Lofty Ranges. Um, heaps beautiful, fertile, heaps of rainfall. Uh, it's, just, it's incredible. Yeah. Um, so we're working with a landscape architect at the moment to divide the property up and, and start doing um, an orchard and fruit nut trees, I guess, um, and vegetables from the property. Yeah. Um, you know, we won't, you know, the, the ability to produce all your vegetables for the restaurant. It's, it's almost, I think, to be grasp what we want to do. I want something that's really aesthetically pleasing. Yeah. I want something absolutely fucking beautiful <laughs> uh, that we can, you know, walk through and, and feel at home. But the idea that I can take my chefs up there for us and R&D and, and walk around and, and, and create, um, the idea of, of, of producing dishes from the garden, I guess, is, is, is beautiful. Mm. Um, and the idea of, you know, guests starting at that point and having a glass and walking through and going, how amazing is this? Yeah. And then coming to the restaurant, you know, picking a a peach from the tree and then coming down and cooking in the wood fire and, and serving it. I think that's, that, that sounds amazing. Um, you know, and then coming from the other angle of the kitchen, 
you know, finishing a meal up in the bistro and coming out there after the meal and just having everyone to throw and, you know, producing some takeaway, you know, items that we can ferment or, you know, make jams out of and stuff like that. I think it's just sort of a, a full circle that I'd like to, um, like to look at, yeah. Yeah, and I think um, I really love that idea as well. And, you know, when I've um, spoken to Annie Smithers from um, Du Fermier in the past, and she's um, now got a bigger property that she grows lots of, you know, vegetables and it's straight to the plate and so on, she said that it means you have more respect for the, the food that you're cooking and you're less likely to waste it. And, um, and I like that idea as well. <laughs> oh, and, and it's amazing, it's amazing that, it's amazing what it does to a chef when the vegetables when they go out and pick it themselves. And I remember what it did for me working with Dan and and and, 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 and taking the vegetables from the garden and bringing them to the restaurant, you know, at, at the crack of dawn and washing them under a tap, and how much more respect you've got for that dish mm. through through the whole cycle, not just the prepping of it, but the serving of it, and how much um, respect you've got for it. It's, it's, it's incredible. Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, with all that in mind, and with your 24 years of experience, it says here, um, what would be your advice to young people who are considering becoming a chef? Um, it's hard work. <laughs> <laughs> it's, you know, just just keep in mind it's hard work, and it's not it's not overnight. I guess um, I think there's some expectation in the industry now that you. You just you, overnight you're there. You know you're a master chef, and then you're amazing at what you do. Um, it's a craft that takes a long time to get where you get. Um, yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> like anything, my brother's a surgeon. He's an facial surgeon, so he's a double doctorate. Um, you know, and he's he's operating now, and he's nearly he's two and a half years older than me. But he's just got his obviously his tickets to do what he needs to do. Um, that's all it's taken. It's the same time to get where we've got. In our careers, you know, for me to run my own restaurants and be the director, and him to finally get his surgeon's tickets, um, yeah. you know, that's how long it's taken. <laughs> wow, wow, yeah. You know, are you? I think that's the way I look at it. I think you you need to look at it. Isn't you know, everyone's very focused and not hmm. very focused on on the on the bottom line and how much money they're going to take at the end of the day, and um, instead of focusing on the experience they can get and what they can get, I think like you know, I, I, when I did what I did, I. I I worked for, for some pretty low numbers of over the seas. You know, in Japan, I was only on a thousand dollars a month. Um, in Australia, I was on sorry, in Australia, Singapore, I was on probably two thousand, two thousand three hundred dollars a month Australian. Mm. Uh, but what I learned, who I learned from, is is, is prices. Mm. And that, that's a sacrifice. I made a lot of sacrifices to learn what I learned at the end of the day. Um, so I think my advice is. Sometimes you have to sacrifice and, and, and go overseas or sacrifice a wage to learn your craft. Absolutely. Not in Australia, like in Australia, obviously it's all governed and, yeah. you know, there's no, around, no way around that. But, you know, sometimes I think you can swallow up and go, I want to go work in Japan, I might have to work for free for, for a couple of months to get the job. Or, you know, these, these, are, these are things that sort of are important, I think. Mm. And it sounds to me, I mean, the way you were talking about the produce from the garden and so on, it sounds as though you're as excited now as perhaps you were right at the beginning. Is that right? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's sparked a new leaf of, of, of excitement for sure. Yeah, yeah, definitely. That's great. I love hearing these stories. So um, <laughs> th thank you, Scott, for your time and for pulling over in your car for me. <laughs> uh, <laughs> My pleasure. Um, it was lovely to chat to you. <laughs> awesome. Thank you so much. Have a good day.
Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Conversation with a Chef with Scott Huggins from McGill Estate. McGill Estate has a beautiful Instagram account for you to check out. It's at McGill Estate Restaurant, all one word. There are glorious pictures of the food and lovely stories about the staff. I'm also on Instagram at Conversation with a Chef. And if you want to read the chat, you can head to www.conversationwithachef.com. I would absolutely love it if you told a friend about my chats. And of course, you can follow me on Apple and Spotify podcasts. Once again, thanks for listening and have a great day.